Now look, the passage that Marissa is going to come and read to us uh, in a while follows straight off the back of last week's epic, epic story. Do you remember last week, the Israelites walking as if on dry ground through the Red Sea? Okay, it's going to follow, it's going to follow straight on from that. But to warm us up before we get in there, I want, imagine, imagine if they did one of those kind of documentaries, you know, where they had some of the archive footage of the Israelites crossing the Red Sea, and they got one of a sort of old, wizened Israelite person to talk about their experiences of that night where they crossed through the Red Sea. Imagine what, imagine what that person would say. Something like, oh, that was the, that was the day of days. The Lord had struck down Pharaoh with those ten mighty plagues. Pharaoh had finally agreed to let us go. We'd marched out of Egypt in triumph. And then that night, we saw something that words can barely explain. All night, the Lord drove the waters back so that we walked through the sea as on dry ground. And in the morning, when we saw the Egyptians dead on the shore, we knew beyond doubt that the Lord was fighting for us. And you can imagine the interviewer saying, yeah, and, and, and do you remember what song it was you sang that night? And the old boy sort of racks his brains. He's, yeah, I think it was something like, the nations will hear and tremble. In, his un, in your unfailing love, Lord, you will lead your redeemed people. In your unfailing love, you will provide for them. In your unfailing love, you will lead them to your promised land. And he says with a glint in his eye, and we had a party like that night, like you young folks could only dream of. And then the interviewer says, and forgive me for asking, but and what happened three days after that? What happened three days after that when you came to Mara? And at that point, uh, a shadow passes behind the old guy's eyes. And a lump sticks in his throat and a, and a tear of shame rolls silently down his cheek so in the passages we're going to look at tonight they, they follow on straight straight after these epic events of the Red Sea but the passages hardly cover the Israelites in glory we're going to see that there are, there are four uh, sort of events that happen. Marissa's going to read in a second. We're going to see the people thirsting and the law providing sweet water for them. We're going to see the people hungering and the law providing bread and meat for them. We're going to see the people thirsting again and the Lord providing water. And we're going to see the Lord fighting for his people. Four events. And the issue at stake tonight is what, what lessons do God's redeemed people need to learn as they begin their life as a redeemed people? What lessons do they need to learn as they begin life in the wilderness, as it were? And it'll be worth listening in because 
as any of us who are Christians will know, that there's a sense in which we live our lives in the wilderness. We live our lives between being, being rescued in the same way that the Israelites were rescued. We've been rescued from slavery to sin. We wait for the final entry into God's promised land. So we live our lives like these Israelites do in, in between. And the lessons that God wants to teach them are the lessons that we need to learn. And by the way, I guess if you're, if you're not a Christian here tonight, if you're looking into Christian things and wondering what life does look like as a Christian, tonight's going to teach you some important lessons to give you a window into what it would look like to follow Jesus. So four little episodes. And you'll notice as they're read through that there's, there's sort of repeating themes. And it's those repeating themes, really, that are going to make up the lessons that the Israelites and we need to learn. Namely, that the, their grumbling is unfaithful. The Lord's provision is faithful. And it's vital that you remember that. Um, the reading tonight comes from Exodus starting in chapter 15, verse 22. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why the place is called Marah. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, And the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made a decree and a law for them, and there he tested them. He said, If you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Then they came to Elim, where there were twelve springs and seventy palm trees, and they camped there near the water. The whole Israelite community set out from Elim and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat round pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for the day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, and in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, You will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the entire Israelite community, Come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked towards the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. The Lord said to Moses, 
I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening, quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Each one of you is to gather as much as he needs. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, he who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. Each one gathered as much as he needed. Then Moses said to him, No one is to keep any of it until the morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until the morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as he needed. And when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person, and the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, This is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be the day of rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it until morning. So they saved it until morning, as Moses commanded, and did not, and it did not stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where he is on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the Sabbath, seventh day. The people of Israel called the bread manna. It was white like coriander seed and tasted like wafers made with honey. Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Take an omer of manna and keep it for the generations to come, so they can see the bread I gave you to eat in the desert when I brought you out of Egypt. So Moses said to Aaron, Take a jar and put an omer of manna in it. Then place it before the Lord to be kept for the generations to come. As the Lord commanded Moses, Aaron put the manna in front of the testimony, that it might be kept. The Israelites ate manna for forty years, until they came to a land that was settled. They ate manna until they reached the border of Canaan. An omer is one-tenth of an ephah. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of Sin, traveling from the place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to dream, drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses replied, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, Walk on ahead of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock, and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the place Massa and Meribah, 
because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? The Amalekites came and attacked Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning, but whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with a sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered, and make sure that Joshua hears it, because I will completely blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called it, The Lord is my banner. He said, For hands were lifted up to the throne of the Lord. The Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. This is God's word. Okay, so those four episodes, and did you did you notice some of the the similarities in each of well, in, in many of them? There's the there's the people's grumbling, there's the Lord's provision, and there is the sort of repeated or, or need to remember the Lord's provision. So we'll look at those we'll look at those three themes, if you like, trace those lessons through the passages. So the first one, the people's grumbling. Is faithless. So uh, 15 verse 22. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. Now let's be fair, three days, that is a, that is a long time in a desert. You know how cranky you get on a hot summer's day when you don't have a drink? Well this is three days with all your earthly belongings and with your kids running around your feet and all that kind of stuff. So fair play, they are certainly looking for water. And in, in the distance, someone finally says, I see, I see, I see water. And they run down and someone scoops down and someone's like scooping water up into their hands. And <laughs> imagine, imagine the disappointment when, verse 23, they came to Mara, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. This, this isn't in the script. This isn't how it's meant to be as God's redeemed people, is it? Not what they perhaps were expecting. Of course, for us as Christians, life isn't always what we expect either. But it's how are they going to respond to this is what God is interested in. And they don't do very well, do they? Verse 24. So the people grumbled against Moses saying, what are we to drink as I say, three, three days in the desert is a long time. You want a bit of a sort of come down after the high of the Red Sea party, all of that kind of stuff. You're cranky because it's hot. But still, God has kind of demonstrated to you that he's, he's kind of okay with water. He's kind of got some skills when it comes to water. But what is, what is the first thing these guys do? Do they, cry, do they cry out to the Lord, ask his help? No, they grumble. It's a poor start to life in the wilderness for God's redeemed people. Faithless grumbling. 
But here, actually, as, as in all these, in, these four instances, God, God does respond incredibly generously. We'll look at more at God's provision in a second. But verse 25, Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it in the water, and the water became sweet. Okay, a poor start, but, but a hiccup, right? So just, you know, okay, okay, we get it, we get it now, Lord. Uh, not so much. 16 verse 1. Have a look there. The whole Israelite community set out from Elim and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. That's only, by the way, that's only about a month after the incident with Mara, you know, just over a month after the incident with the Red Sea. And again, they grumble. 16 verse 2, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And it's even worse than before. I mean, look at, look at the language they use. It's amazing. The Israelites said to them, if only we die by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we set around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. It's a little melodramatic, I think. I mean, for one thing, they, they presumably would have still had their animals with them, so they wouldn't, it's not like they were going to starve like there and then. And we'd never be that, we'd never be that melodramatic, would we? I've got so much work on, I don't, I literally don't think I can cope. Uh, I don't know what I will do if I don't get a 2-1 for this piece of work. No, no. No, no. Silly, silly Israelites. Melodramatic, melodramatic Israelites here. But, but worse than the, the melodrama, I suppose, is, is the naivety. Look at that, I mean, that, that naive, ungrateful yearning for the bad old days of slavery in Egypt. Verse 3, there we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. Well, maybe, but you were also slaves, weren't you? And don't forget about those cruel taskmasters who sort of nearly broke your backs. And don't forget that you didn't have any hope or any future. And sadly, I suppose, any of us who are Christians will sometimes daydream about whether life would be easier if we weren't Christians. Again, forgetting what it is like to be a slave to your passions and slave to materialism, to not know God, to only know his anger. But worse than the melodrama, Worse than the ungrateful naivety is that ultimately the grumbling of the Israelites questions God's character. The grumbling of the Israelites questions God's character. So in 1524, they say to Moses, what are we to drink? In 16 verse 3, as we've just seen, they say to Moses and Aaron, you've brought us out into this desert to starve the entire assembly to death. In 17 verse 3, they say, 
Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? And look, yeah, on the surface, they're, they're murmuring, they're grumbling, they're arguing, they're complaining, is against Moses. But what they're really saying is, we don't think the Lord is the kind of God who is going to provide for us. We don't think that despite all that he has done, he is good. We don't think that despite all that he has started in redeeming us out of Egypt, that he is going to finish the job. So they grumble against Moses, but really they're questioning God's character. That's that's certainly how Moses sees it. Have a look at uh, 17 verse 7. 17 verse 7, page 75. And Moses called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? See, they grumble against Moses, but what they're really saying is, where is God? They grumble and quarrel with Moses, but what they're really doing is slandering God's character. He's not good. He's not going to look after us. They murmur about Moses, but what they're really saying is, does God even exist? You might say at this point, well, hang on a minute, hang on, hang on a minute, question. Surely some of the people who write the psalm, surely they sort of, uh, grumble against God. You know, you think of Psalm 22. Uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Isn't isn't that isn't that grumbling? But that's in the Bible. Surely that's allowed. Well, no, that's that's different. You may say it's subtly different, but it's significantly different. In the, in the Psalms, even back in Exodus 3, where the Israelites themselves cry out, the difference is that they are crying to God in faith. When David cries out in the Psalms and says, How long, O Lord, will you hide your face from me forever? They're crying out in faith to the the one, the only one they know who can help them. They're questioning God directly. And and that is always the best and the right thing to do when we when we face doubts and are going through hard times ourselves. But that is very, very different from what the Israelites are doing here. What they're doing is kind of turning in on themselves. They're, they're not crying out to God in faith. They're, they're kind of grumbling to others. They're, you could say they're kind of grumbling to God behind his back. And they're slandering his character and very existence. Now look, sometimes in our lives, there, there will be people in our lives who we do need to... Uh, uh, have a word with and, and talk things through with. But, but I think this, this, these sort of passages here, looking at the people's grumbling, they would, they would be a warning to us. Be careful. Be careful. You know, we, we, we grumble that our lecturers set us too much work. Are we actually doubting that God is good enough to give us time to do all the things we need? So we murmur about our pay rise or lack of it. Are we actually questioning whether God is with us and will look after us? We grumble about our spouse's imperfections. 
are we acting as if God is absent from our marriages and not there to work all things for our good? So the people's grumbling in, in these episodes is it's faithless. It's testing God. It's questioning and putting on trial his very character. The people's grumbling is faithless. But out all through these four episodes, the Lord's provision is faithful. See, so I, I, I hope you noticed it. In each, in each of the four episodes, there is something, there is something remarkable about how the Lord provides for his people. So, uh, 1521, Moses just throws a bit of wood into this, into this, um, bitter water and the Lord makes it sweet. 17 verse 6, the people are thirsting and doubting God again. Moses takes his staff and he smacks the rock and water flows out. 17 verse 11, the, the Amalekites try and pick off God's people. They try and sort of crush God's rescue plan, wipe out the Israelites. They, they crush God's rescue plan before it's even really got going. But God will have none of it. Yes, in that incident, incident, uh, Joshua and the army have to fight. But in that bit of 17, 8 to 16, up on the hill stands Moses. And when his arms are raised, the battle goes well for the Israelites. When his arms are lowered, it goes badly. And I take it that the lesson the, the Israelites are meant to learn from that is, it is the Lord who is fighting for you. It is God who provides. He does it miraculously. He does it graciously in each of these four episodes. Each time in the face of their scandalous, faithless grumbling, God turns the other cheek and provides. So it's gracious, it's miraculous. And perhaps principally it's faithful. And we're going to dive in and look a little bit more detail at the manna and the quail. Let's have a look at verse 4 of chapter 16. Chapter 16, verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them to see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. And then skip down to verse 10 of chapter 16. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked toward the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight you will eat meat and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening quail came and covered the camp and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? But they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. And you think desert, you think, oh, skanky, crusty bread. Skanky bread like you'd find in the male apprentice's house. No. 
Later on, we're told it tastes of coriander seed. Uh, like later on, olive oil tastes like honey. Talking artisan bread here. And then verse 16. This is what the Lord has commanded. Each one is to gather as much as he needs. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, he who gathered much did not have too much. And he who gathered little did not have too little. For each gathered as much as he needed. Whether their need was great because they had a large family to gather for or whether it was smaller... Everybody had enough. See, these people, these are the people who are grumbling and questioning God's character and wondering whether he's good enough to provide all that they need. And here he is teaching them that precious, precious lesson. He is the one who can and he is the one who will provide precisely what they need. He brought them up out of Egypt. He is not about to abandon them now. In verse 19, Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. And you find out that if you do keep it till morning, it stinks and goes maggoty. That is more like the bread in there. No, the, the Israelites ate manna, we read in 16 verse 35, skip on to the end. The Israelites ate manna for 40 years until they came to a land that was settled. They ate manna until they reached the border of Canaan. Here is the Lord teaching this precious and most vital of lessons. Rely on me for what you need day by day. You grumble, you murmur against your leaders, but that is because you don't trust me that I am good. That is because you wonder whether I'm even there. That is because you wonder whether I care for you, but learn this lesson. I will provide for you day by day by day on your journey till I bring you to the promised land. See, that is a couple of times, we won't look at it, but you may have noticed the Lord talks about the fact that he he sort of testing them in this period. And it's not testing sort of hoping they fail or, you know, trying to get out his red pen. It's the testing, it's the wooing, it's the coaxing, it's the leading, it's the teaching of a people. Rely on me day by day. My provision is faithful. And of course that is exactly the same pattern that any Christian is to live by as as we walk through the wilderness, as it were, between our rescue from sin and, and punishment before we are welcomed by God into into the promised land. We live by faith, not by sight. You know, Jesus himself teaches us to pray, doesn't he? Our Father in heaven, give us today our daily bread. And then a few verses later in in Matthew's gospel, Jesus encourages us by saying, don't worry, this is the verse that Toby started with, don't worry, saying what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans, i.e. non-Christians, run after these things. Your heavenly father knows that you need them. We are to be people who live day by day trusting the Lord's faithful provision. Day by day, coursework deadline by coursework deadline, job review by job review. 
terrifying visit to the hospital by terrifying visit to the hospital. The Lord's provision is faithful. And you'd hope the Israelites would learn this lesson. You'd you'd hope we'd learn it. But they seem to struggle. And we certainly seem to struggle as well, don't we? And the point of these passages, these four episodes, of course, is, of course, is to, is to help us to remember that. So the people's grumbling is faithless. God, the Lord's provision is faithful. And the final point, remembering this is vital. And in some ways, that this whole last point is kind of that the application of the sermon. Uh, did you notice a couple of times there, there are these kind of, in some ways they seem slightly odd, these two episodes about how vital it is to, to remember what the Lord is doing. Uh, so have a look, 16, 16 verse 32. Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Take an omer of manna and keep it for the generations to come so that they can see the bread I gave you to eat in the desert when I brought you out of Egypt. So Moses said to Aaron, take a jar and put an omer of manna in it, then place it before the Lord to be kept for the generations to come. A jar of this kind of white, strange manna, honey-tasting stuff is to be kept in a jar for generations so they can look at it. Not because it's tasty, not because they're all kind of uh, wannabe home chefs. So they can remember that the Lord provides. See, in the, in the Passover meal, they had a vivid reminder of the fact the Lord had rescued them. And then in this, this jar full of manna, they had a vivid reminder that every day in the wilderness, the Lord had provided what they need. They can look back in future generations and say, yeah, our God provided what we need. So remembering by looking back is vital. But they're also to look forward and remember the promises the Lord makes about the future. See, right at the end of that um, episode uh, with the Amalekites, we read this. Uh, it's verse, verse 14. Chapter 17, verse 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it because I will completely blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Okay, so these are these, these people, these people who had tried, if you like, to shut down God's plan of redemption of the Israelite people before it even really got going. They, they will be a kind of thorn in the side for Israel for, for, for generations to come until David, King David finally subdues them years and years later. But until that point, God wants his people to be assured that these people, these Malachites who try, who tried to crush God's plan of redemption, they will come to nothing. They will not prevail. And so verse 15, Moses built an altar and called it The Lord is my banner. The Lord is my banner. This then is the... This is the banner, if you like. The the commentators think it's some sort of kind of military insignia. 
But even just thinking about the idea of a banner, this is, this is the banner that, that God's people are to march through the wilderness under. This is what they're sort of metaphorically, if you like, they're, they're to imagine that over themselves, over them as a people. Uh, I was a bit ill this week, but I did, I ran out of time. I did contemplate making a banner. Like, and just think, you know, the, the banner that God's people are to march through the wilderness under, metaphorically speaking, is, is the banner that, that reads, you know, even, even in the wilderness when life is not a bed of roses, the Lord has rescued us. The Lord has and will provide for us every day of the journey towards the promised land. The Lord will not let any enemy triumph against us. Oh look, the Israelites didn't get it though. Their grumblings, their distrust in God, their murmurings eventually exasperated God and his deep well of patience for them. But if we were to flick on, we won't do it, but if we were to flick on to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we would, we would realize that all these things were written for our instruction. All these things that the Israelites went through, they're written for our warning that we might learn lessons from them. In fact, the Lord wants us to learn from their mistakes. See, tonight the Lord would say to us, look again at what I have done and turn your murmuring into remembering. The Lord would challenge us, turn your murmuring into remembering. See, the metaphorical banner that the Israelites were to march through the wilderness under, of course, spoke of uh, the ten mighty plagues. It, it spoke of the march through the Red Sea. It spoke of water turned to sweetness. It, it spoke of water from a rock. It spoke of the defeat of the Amalekites. It spoke of the, the bread from heaven. It should have been enough to turn their murmuring into remembering, but it didn't. The banner, of course, that we as Christians march, walk through this wilderness under, the banner that we walk under is greater even than the banner that the Israelites walked under. To their banner, as it were, we could add the cross where God brought our deliverance, not with the blood of a lamb, but with the blood of his son. To their banner, we could add the fact that every Christian has the spirit whom Jesus gives to every believer who refreshes not our thirst, but our soul. To the banner, we could add the empty tomb that says, not that one day the Amalekites will be defeated, but that one day death itself will be done away with. And to that banner, each of us, of course, had had all the kind of little things in our lives where we have seen the Lord being faithful to us. Where we have seen him providing what we need in the wilderness, even when it's not pleasant or as we choose it. The flat, the coursework extension, the job, the friend in our time of need. And as we walk through the wilderness towards our home with the Lord, we do so with the promise that if God did not spare his precious son for our good, do you really think he's going to withhold anything that we need? Oh yeah, I let, I let my son bleed to death. I let my son take your punishment. Oh yeah, but I draw the line there. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to give you the time you need in your week to get stuff done. Oh no, that would be, be far too big an ask. No, of course not. So the people's grumbling 
is faithless. God's provision is faithful. It is vital that we remember that. So God would say to us tonight, don't be like the Israelites. Look again, as it were, at the banner over you. Turn your murmurings into remembering. And trust me. Heavenly Father, we confess that so often our grumbling is faithless. So often we grumble about people or circumstances, but what we're really doing is slandering your character and acting as if you are not good, that you don't care, or indeed sometimes acting as if we don't really believe you're there at all. Forgive us for that. We praise you that you are the God who faithfully provides for his people day by day as is necessary for our good, as is necessary to ensure that you bring us at last to our eternal home with you in the new heavens and the new earth. We praise you for that. And we ask, Heavenly Father, that you will make us people who are mindful, who are remembering remembering people about that. Remind us, help us picture that sort of invisible banner over us even tonight as we go home. All that you have done for us, all that you promised for us, all the ways in which you do and you have provided for us. Amen.